Hi, I'm Abby. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Did the Reading, the podcast where we did the reading, so you don't have to. And this week, what are we talking about, Jess? It's our Christmas special. I was just thinking, I wonder if Jingle Bells is copyrighted. We could try and put that over the (laughs) intro. (laughs) Some festive sounds of some sort, uncopyrighted. Perhaps just some bells, because we don't have the budget for that. Oh, exactly. The the budget for a copyright case. Um, Yeah, carry on. It is festive. It's not necessarily super fun because we did anticipate being able to do this together with mulled wine. However, yeah. it's still over the airwaves. But we're going to talk about A Christmas Carol. Now, Jessica, I'm trying to put on some more fun tone of voice, but like, you know, I just can't stop thinking about the fact that, you know, Christmas is cancelled or whatever. Um, Jessica, how do you feel about A Christmas Carol? What's your like relationship with that? With Dickens, with the festive season, etc. I for ages have been like, I need to be that person that has a Christmas book. I feel like we mentioned this in a previous episode where I was yeah, like, I want to yeah, be yeah, that yeah. person that's like, oh, actually, I read like I don't know, like Little Women or some shit, which is surprisingly yeah. festive every yeah. Christmas. Mm. But I am not. I'm also I'm not even like massively into Christmas films. I'm like I'm not a Grinch. I just don't. Are you a Scrooge? Well, no. I do. When I reread this for this episode, I was like, wow, I am actually feeling reasonably festive now. I do really like it. As we know, in a slightly like dreary way, I do quite enjoy Dickens. And I was surprised, in fact, that you didn't put up like more of a fuss (laughs) to do this for the Christmas special. It's fine. I'm over it. It's fine. It's fine. Beyond fine. How are you feeling? I think, you know, I've got a lot of love for um, the seminal Christmas film, A Christmas Carol, the Muppets one. You know, that really is artistry. And Dickens walked so the Muppets could run. Um, Absolutely. We did both say, you were like, I'm going to be bringing my Muppets knowledge. And I was like, you know what? My working knowledge of this story is from the like Disney adaptation, which uses, I want to say, Donald Duck. That sounds excellent as well. As the thing, main character. <laughs> I was like, you know when you, um, I don't know, like when you watch like the Romeo and Juliet Baz Luhrmann adaptation, you're like, oh my God, look, that's a line from the play because they really like lifted it. I was like watching this and was like, that's a line from the Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I enjoyed it. I do think you've got to be in the right emotional mindset. And that is certainly not where I have been. You know, when I was like 16 and reading Dickens and people were like, it's funny. I was like, no, it's not. But I do think it is quite funny. Yeah, um, I also forgot that it was like a like a third person narrator. Yeah. In terms of like, they do just like address you a lot, and they're like, "Oh, if you ever find a man that has like a better laugh than Scrooge's nephew, let me know because I want to be friends with him." Like shit like that. Yeah, it's exactly. Quite fun. I do. I just really like it. I was like, "Oh, this is lovely." It is a nice festive good time. I think it's so interesting as well that that captures the imagination. Like it really speaks to everyone's like punitive Christmas spirit that they're like, what could be better than seeing this man brought low and recognise the importance of charity by seeing how little impact his death has upon others. It's like (laughs) Victorian. We love, we know how to have a good time. We know how to be fucking festive. So the book opens. It's Christmas Eve. Scrooge is scrooging in his office. People are like, 
hey, you know, you're taking tomorrow off. He's like, taking tomorrow off is for losers and people without money. And then his nephew comes in and he's like, Christmas is great. Please come for lunch tomorrow. And Scrooge is like, um, first of all, bar humbug. Second of all, I guess, you know, if you're poor, like maybe you could have a holiday. But I mean, like, I guess you're never going to get any richer. And then his nephew's like, mm, OK. And then he lets his clerk off and then he goes home and he is suddenly like getting super spooked out. And he thinks he sees his ex-business partner and his door knocker. And he's like, oh, my God, is that my ex-business partner, Jacob Marley? And then he's like, no, just, you know, one of them days. And then he gets into bed and he suddenly sees the ghost of Jacob Marley. And he's like, what are you doing here? And that is when the brilliant song in The Muppets Christmas Carol, the, <laughs> it's Marley and Marley. Um, starts but God, anyway not in this so he's like oh my god nightmare and Marley's like basically um, I'm shackled down by the weight of the awful things I did in my life and I died seven years ago and you've been doing this shit for seven years longer so you're going to be super shackled right now super shackled uh, and Scrooge is like oh, fair enough and he's like three ghosts are going to visit you tonight and he's like can't they all visit me at once he's like no you're going to have to sit through this shit anyway First ghost who turns up is the ghost of Christmas past. And he's like, I have come to show you the Christmases that you've experienced in your life. And he shows him like Scrooge sitting in a classroom as a child on Christmas day. And Scrooge, so Scrooge being super lame, then Scrooge um, going to a party that was very fun. And then Scrooge breaking up with his girlfriend because he wasn't paying enough attention to her over Christmas. And Scrooge is like, hmm, some regrettable actions here. Nonetheless, moving on. And then he goes back to bed. And then the ghost of Christmas present turns up. And he's like, right, let's just see what's happening right now. The ghost of Christmas present brings him to his clerk. Um, Clark? Clerk? I never know. Um, Bob Cratchit. I actually pal. just could not even could suggest. Not. No, I've got to be honest when I say could be either at this stage of my life. And, uh, you know, I just, I guess I'll never know. Um, and he goes around to Bob Cratchit's house. And he sees Bob Cratchit just doesn't have a lot of money and his life is, you know, it's very difficult, but he's got a lovely family and they all, you know, really care for his son, Tiny Tim, who's uh, quite unwell. And Scrooge is like a bit sad, you know, like they look like they're having a lovely time and they all love each other very much. But like, it looks like Tiny Tim's not going to survive. And the ghost's like, probably so. And then he goes around to his nephew's house and they're all like slightly taking the piss out of Scrooge for being a loser and he's like this is a this is a bit of a um bummer and then the last ghost turns up it's the ghost of Christmas future and he basically foresees everyone just like hating him upon his death and selling all his shit and not looking at his body and he's like who is this awful and detested person and they're like well look it's you and so then he wakes up on Christmas morning. He's like, right, it's time for me to change my ways. So he orders Bob Cratchit a really fat turkey and gets it delivered to his house. And he goes around to his nephew's house and has Christmas dinner. And then he basically transforms his life. And um, he's an infinitely better person because he cares for people. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me ask my first question to you. 
why do you think this story makes use of ghosts? Like, why is it important that we have the three ghost structure? What are them ghosts offering us? Why ghosts? Why not anything else? Why not just a real living person saying things to him? Why not Scrooge undergoing his own reflections alone? What, you know, what function do you think that serves? Well, first of all, I'd just like to qualify. If I could, I would pass this question on to other Jess, who is fully writing her master's dissertation on basically this topic. However, on like basically like, why ghosts? Or like, why ghosts? Basically being like, but what if it had ghosts? Um, anyway, it's very cool. I, I will do. Anyway, I think ghosts are, especially for the Victorians, a very like useful, just like narrative thing in terms of like if you take this story in particular, mm. it's like if someone went to Scrooge and was like, I think you could cheer up a bit. And you may regret your actions later, which arguably happens in literally the first like scene with his nephew. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be like, piss off. I don't really care. Mm. However, the kind of premonition and like power and foresight of ghosts that have more kind of vision, power, ETC than we have. It's more of a it's like high impact and it's spooky. Like I feel like a lot of the description is him being like, wow. I did not want a ghost in my bedroom. Do you know and what? Yet. We've all been there. But actually, I, like... I kind of forgot how like descriptive. And I just, I really like this story. You know, when it's like, and this hand came round the curtain, but not that yeah. curtain, this curtain. This curtain. Um, right by his head. Anyway, that kind of thing. I love the bit where it's like, he was prepared for anything. It could have been a baby or a rhinoceros. I was like, <laughs> no, I think what's interesting though like if I may again turn the question back to you Jazz because I don't have many thoughts but I do have many questions I agree that it's spooky and it makes the point and it's high impact but in a story that is ultimately quite religiously driven in terms of it being the festive season and in terms of being about generosity to the poor and effectively kind of changing one's ways and I guess hell, in a way, with all the like <laughs> level of hell. I guess you know if you if it think about it, it all comes back to hell in this festive story. Then why why are we using so many of them ghosts, which are in a way a bit pagan compared to something that's quite Christian? I think I agree that they're pagan in the sense of existing, <laughs> in the sense of them being there them being there but also I think their their whole purpose is like the weighing up the like idea of like a judgment day and if you come down on one side then you're going to be forced to uh kind of like recompense for your sins like that's still a very religious it is but like concept but I mean and I think they're, they're like they're almost like manifestations of like what happens if or like Marley's ghost for, for certain is like a manifestation of what happens if you don't live your life by like Christian values in the sense of like charity and like forgiveness and all of those yeah. other kinds of things. Whereas the actual ghosts themselves, yes, they're pagan in the very like <laughs> the fact that they're ghosts, but also it's their, their kind of as a vehicle for like even by the end of the first ghost uh scrooge is like i have already seen the error of my ways i'm gonna change yeah why aren't you showing me something like way better because i've already like clocked that i'm i've been a bit of a dick so 
even though I haven't done anything different, surely you would change that. Do you know what I mean? In terms of they're there to facilitate Christian values in a way. In a way, though, if you're talking about it's a Christmas story, Mm -hmm. what better way to make it Christmassy than pop some angels in there? Why do we have ghosts rather than angels? Except for, obviously, I mean, like, it was a bit trendy, it was a bit sexy to pop some ghosts in your story. Like... I think what I'm trying to, like, drill down to, Jess, if you might be, you know, if I might play devil's advocate right now in this song, um, (laughs) is, like, if you're using them as conveyors of Christian values and then you're using something so pagan, I mean, like, it's an ultimate disparity, isn't it? But also, isn't that why they're effective? Why? In terms of, like, if some, if, like, if Scrooge was visited by three angels, you might read that and be like, you know what? I would love to be visited by three angels. But you wouldn't because they, it's, God, Jess, um, can you just refer back to the New Testament story with the, um, do not I'm sorry, be sorry, I in-depth knowledge. <laughs> I've honestly, like, I've, I feel like I've told you this before, like, in English degrees, I'm always like, you know what, one day I should just sit down and read the Bible. And just commit to and it. I just, yeah, honestly. Rose honestly, like, lent me hers once, and I was like, I should just commit. And I never did. And I'm sorry about that. Well, but do continue your... I feel like just the thing is, like, obviously, I think in the Bible, angels could, you know, just turn up on the regular and, like, you know, everyone would be freaking out when they turned up. Like, I don't think they are lacking in impact. Like, I feel like if you wanted to concretize the fact that it's, like, a Christian story, which is Christian in its morals, using an angel would make that, and would, I guess, reinforce as well, like, it's your duty as a Christian and would make that link more explicit. Whereas, yeah, I think I it know depends what, what the function of the story is. Like, if if the story is just like we're supposed to see Scrooge and be like, and that's what happened, or if it's supposed to be that I want you to do that, do we buy into it more, or does that make it less effective because it feels too moralistic? I do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but also like without going to like introduction to an essay vibes, I just want to like think in terms of if we're talking about the term ghost you've got the term ghost (gasps) of someone who has died but is still in some form like existing on this earth and then you've also got the more general term of kind of like i don't know phantom or like Mm. as in like i think the ghosts of like krishna's past present and future they're not people who have died but are still here they're just kind of i think that's quite a broad term and if anything they're kind of like angel idea almost like even crosses over in some senses with those three but mm. i think the importance of marley's ghost is that mm. it is this idea of um purgatory. what is it purgatory thank you mm. in terms of he hasn't lived his life in a way that has allowed him to get to heaven um and he is forced instead to be literally shackled by his sins and tread this earth forevermore i think as well like it kind of just foregrounds the punitive element whereby we see the kind of big scale religious aftermath or consequences of like those actions on earth and then you see the smaller scale like being unremembered being unwitnessed in death having your stuff sold off yeah it's very like old testament god and i think the ghosts are yeah as in like in a very simple sense all they are is just there to be like these are the error of your ways but also in quite a dramatic <laughs> you over the head with the message, sexy way. Abigail. Yes. I have, I was going to say, I have one question for you. In fact, I have a couple over the course of this episode. However, oh. Oh. which goes to you? 
well, that's, you know, it's it's a heavy question, which I've got to think deeply about. I mean, I feel like, let's just, let's just go through it. So you start with the Ghost of Christmas Past. It's a bit like, who is this? Like, what are you offering me? Do you know what I mean? Ghost of Christmas Present, he is Knowledge so interesting. collection. Exactly. But it's like, but it's, it's whatever. Abby's like, I don't want to revisit my past, but thank you. That's enough of that. I think what I like about Ghost of Christmas Present is his commitment. Like, he (laughs) turns up a bit late. He's like decorated the room. Um, Honestly, if anyone hasn't watched the Disney version, this scene in the like Disney adaptation is exquisite. I I can remember it so clearly. I have I, I have it on VHS, so if needs be, I will like lob the VHS over your garden like fence. Oh, thanks. you're welcome. Wait, that sounds really lovely. But it's perfect. Anyway, I'm that's by the bar. Yeah, <laughs> but then I think I think also the Ghost of Christmas Future, like the commitment to the vibes, the fact he like never says anything. <laughs> he's just like pointing. He's like, look at this, look at that. Oh, there's your gravestone, and I'm gone. I kind of like that as well. So yeah. I feel like I'd have to kind of sit somewhere between those two. I mean I feel like there's tra- a bit of every ghost in all of us. I'm definitely the like non-communicative, slightly like grunting. Honestly as well. Just pointing was, at things first thing in the morning. Uh, yeah, as well. Trying to teach someone a lesson and you're like, right, oh well, we can't can't be asked to do any more than this. So I guess uh, I'll just point a few times. And then that's uh, that's job done. I think it would have to be aesthetically, it would have to be uh, Ghost of Christmas Future, and then probably in reality, I'd have to be Ghost of Christmas Present, just because dropping joy wherever you went. Oh, many people say, you know, that's my burden. They're like, oh, why are you so joyous? Why are you so fun? How can you just sprinkle things on strangers and they? are immediately reconciled i know honestly i love that bit where he's like and then i just make them shut the shop i'm like he honestly (laughs) is the only advocate for retail workers everywhere like (laughs) the ghost of christmas and that's what we can take from this story yeah exactly it's like would the ghost of christmas future do that much for retail workers do you say you were uh like i said i think i almost like moved through them through the course of a day as we have discussed in person many a time you're actually quite an effective morning person whereas yeah and like you don't need to gloat about it but also i am not i don't want to bring quite uncommunicative like the first three hours of my day so definitely the ghost of christmas future for that yeah and then naturally i bring joy and knowledge (laughs) wherever i go so then i'm a mix of the two remaining ones for the rest of my waking hours so jess I wanted to sort of bring in some of your knowledge. Jess, for context for people who do not know Jess, did a um, master's in sort of Victorian literature. And thus. Love the adjective Victorian y. Victorian esque ish. And I want her to tell us a bit about how she thinks the religious and social issues in this overlap. We talked about this a bit in the first one, but like our social responsibility and also how that interacts with like people's personalities and how they live their lives is a major facet of Dickens work and I was wondering if you could just discuss that a little bit for us 
Yes, I just think obviously I'm like very fun at dinner parties and I love to bring this kind of conversation in. But I do think basically Dickens was like uh, quite like expressly like a very like socially driven author yes. and the idea of like uh, writing for a purpose is quite like a personal question for him. Et yeah. And also I think even today the question of like uh, use the phrase poverty politics which I think I wrote down and I don't know if it's actually like a thing but that kind of like yeah concept and the idea of like social responsibility especially around like a festive time of year when the idea is like goodwill to all men etc yes. is like yeah. very interesting and I think the way it comes up in this story is uh like a very traditional one but also one that like has then I mean traditional in the sense of like kind of like starting a lot of traditions yeah. and I think think in particular the idea of like oh all that we need for everything to be fine is people to take pity on poor people and give them a turkey is like a quite interesting dynamic I think it's also... interesting as well if you compare it sorry to interrupt no, go. but to like some of Dickens other um books where he kind of um I guess if you think about something like Great Expectations he kind of advises a bit against that sort of very simplistic just getting huge amounts of money type thing Mm -hmm. in terms of the attitude it develops in Pip and Pip's outlook and this kind of cruelty he displays towards Joe and stuff like this it kind of shows simple money and giving as a route to kind of selfishness but and... I don't know if it does. I think in Great Expectations specifically, it's like a a commentary on like not forgetting where you've come from and being grateful. And I think that's what is the like key in terms of like this idea of like the grateful poor that don't necessarily in real terms change their status in society. They just perhaps might have like a nice Christmas day and then they can yeah. go back to like being miserable is kind of like the function of it and although I think like the slightly hit hit you over the head with the brick messages of the Christmas Carol are very much like like the bit where Scrooge at the very beginning is like oh are there not prisons are there not workhouses yeah gets repeated like a lot which which is like weirdly relevant not in the sense of like anything other than that still is something a kind of I hate to use the word discourse, but it is kind of like still used today in terms of like, oh, but there's this, this and this like in place to help people. And it's like, actually. That doesn't work for X reason. Yeah. It's slightly depressing. Like, oh, yeah, the failures of the state that like we could compare to (laughs) like 1850s. Um, But you know what I mean? That kind of I think that's done very effectively. And I don't think this book fails in that sense. But yeah. I guess that's actually an interesting question, isn't it? In terms of the way that it um, changes it on its head. I mean, Scrooge is shown to be wealthy, but we don't get a sense that he's expansively wealthy. I mean, he's still... Yeah, he's like stingy more than anything else, isn't he? Yeah, and so I guess it's interesting that if if we take this as like a knock yourself on the head morals, it's that you should take personal responsibility for ensuring the well-being of others insofar as you can. Mm-hmm. And that includes financial, social, physical, etc. well-being. And yet, again, I guess, as you say, I mean, there's a number of things that are that are ruining this for, I don't know, like the Cratchits. Like, I'm not trying to be that hater, but like, where are the labour laws which are stopping him from bullying his staff? 
Um, not in place yet. Not in place. You know, where are the hygiene laws for this office? You know, <laughs> where are where are the whatevers? Anyway, and and like Dickens never really explicitly sort of says, you know, maybe the government should be um should be uh, doing a little bit more about Tiny Tim dying. Yeah, and that like... is one like quite modern critique, I think. In terms of, I read, I read, I listened to, not to be that person, but a really good podcast episode on this where um, they were, they being the hosts of Citations Needed, were talking about how a lot of the like pandemic stuff has been framed in terms of individual individualistic solutions to I agree, like, yeah. like massive social structural problems and like mm-hmm. the idea of like self-care has been like w- wrapped up into that and that would be one like angle to take on this in terms of there's no comment of like state intervention basically as you say yeah. it's more of like a you should buy your employee a turkey do you yeah. know what I mean it is kind of like interesting to look at from that perspective but I, I do guess agree. it kind of creates him as like a small state in himself like that because he's one of the wealthier figures in the local area yeah he has that responsibility yeah Um, it's the kind of like if you can you should yeah you know there are other protections that should be in place yeah i mean like i don't want to get too socialist here right now you should be able to actually live on a minimum wage for example like that kind of thing is not really like engaged with in a complex way although also like this is literally like a festive (laughs) story (laughs) like don't want to be too much of that person that's like oh but have you considered this like as I mentioned like I'm so much fun at dinner parties of course yeah um remember those uh but uh yes (laughs) so to round it up and to also perhaps lighten the mood slightly (laughs) I wanted you to talk about Christmas movies or Christmas items of media that we could yes. compare this to, or perhaps the like, have taken from this story, of which I would argue there are a few. Okay, um, I will start uh, with the musical hit, um, All I Want for Christmas is You, which is obviously driven by Mariah Carey's um, desire for Scrooge to give back to the community. Um, um, that, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Okay, right, carry on. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, with those um, incredible vocals, she calls out to Scrooge like one of the wailing ghosts um, in order to ask him to give back and to put the individual onus on him by repeating the word you to remind him of his individual responsibility towards the community. We should, oh God, we should scrap all English degrees we should cut this bit. <laughs> Actually, I want to say uh, my entire life has been uh, leading up to making that comparison. Um, moreover, Home Alone, uh, the idea of Christmas being a time perfect for punishment. Um, <laughs> it's like the idea of the little man being able to strike back. Um, I'm just saying, you know, like, if there was a crossover, it would basically be like, um, the Cratchits just trying to like burn Ebenezer Scrooge with a hot doorknob. Um, I don't know. Give me another comparison. Oh God! Honestly, as I say, like my working knowledge of this story is basically on the Disney adaptation. Tell me about the Muppets version. 
and how much you love it because love you it. do okay so in the muppets version um bob cratchit is played by kermit tiny tim is played by a small kermit <laughs> um, um miss piggy plays mrs cratchit the only human being is ebenezer scrooge marley there are now two marleys and it's those like old men from the who usually sit in the box in the muppets do you know what Cute. I mean? The ones who are like bullies. I can't yeah. remember what they're called. And then um, Fozzy Wig is that. Oh, I don't know what it's called. And then Animals on the Drums at the party. Anyway, it's so good. And Gonzo and um, the rat. Rizzo the rat? Other narrators. Sure. Anyway, it's really, really good. It's true to the story. Um, a lot of huge musical hits in their probably top 40-esque. Um, you know, like the only one more sleep till Christmas, which is good. Um, and then there's that amazing song about how mean Scrooge is, and then they, they go like, no cheese is for us, Mises. Um, oh my God, you've sung that to me so many times. <laughs> <laughs> May I add, also like completely out of context, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a very iconic film. It's incredibly good. It is ageless in every single way. Um, I would like you perhaps... I mean, what about the top local f- Christmas film of all time, The Holiday? Have you watched it? No. You haven't watched The Holiday? Can we not dwell? Like, I fully just... I'm so bad at watching, like, proper films. Oh, man, you've got to watch that this evening. It's actually on um, Netflix. Oh, okay. I mean, we did, don't mean to brag, but we did as a family get Netflix five days ago, so I'm ready. Stop it. You're so ready. I Like, you're going to love it. It's um, Cameron Diaz at her um, very most mediocre and a um, bit of Jude Law and an unusual Cameron, Cameron Diaz-Jude Law relationship, like, mitigated by two, like, small children. That sounds excellent. It it's like you know one of those things where thinking back on it it's not that good but it still holds a special place in my mind you know and your heart i do tend to watch love actually almost every year okay give me a love actually comparison i don't think there are any that i'm is trying to lie. think what what is that then what about the bit with the necklace and what's to do with the price of fish <laughs> excuse you um well, if you think about it, like the fact that Scrooge is never giving to the people who really need it and the tragedy that represents and how that can create a level of social splitting encapsulated by the splitting of a marriage. Yeah, that happens when giving occurs. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm just saying. The bit with the little um, banners outside and he's like, because it's Christmas, um, is like the ghosts turning up at Scrooge's house. thank you so much for agreeing to do a dickens story abigail i hope Uh, that was vaguely enjoyable i've come to terms with it it was great i loved it you sound so enthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) um and thank you for listening to our christmas special we will link a couple of christmas related mainly like food banks and things like that if you guys have any spare change at this time of year we would really appreciate it um but otherwise we will see you in the new year see you in the new year
and happy Christmas. And happy Christmas.